After all, there is nothing real outside our perception of reality, is there? Pas te dire ce que tu peux faire pour moi. Tu vas voir, c'est pas compliqué. Tu me parles pas. Tu me poses pas de questions. If you wish to avoid prosecution, I would advise that you comply with our language laws. This is the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to the RCMP. That's the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. I'm your co-host today, Becky Shrimpton, with me... Once again, is Mr. Cameron Maitland. Hey, Cam. Hi. Hi. That seemed like a, well, I don't know. It's <laughs> too much hype. Here's the problem. I'm kind of okay. distracted right now because directly across the way, there's a young man in his underwear who's come up into the balcony twice and he's vaping. And like, I'm trying sure. not to look, but it's like you're in the middle of this courtyard and you're half naked. Um, so it's beautifully awkward. And it feels like something <laughs> that Guy Madden would absolutely <laughs> <Sure>. love. Nice <laughs> Thank you very much. It's from the maker of Sissy Boy Slap Party. Yeah, okay. um, this is why I love living in a condo and communal living because I think it's hilarious. I'm going to go right ahead and bring on our guest right now. We've got Daniel Worth with us. Hey, how you doing? I'm all right. How are you? I am well, thank you. How's everything going in the nice warm weather? Are you enjoying it? I am, yeah. Are it's... you seeing the outside of it at all as you're working on your new movie? <laughs> uh, I, I pace, yeah. Pace <laughs> too. I think there's always a part of me that, uh, and I'm not proud of it, but there's a part of me that on some level forgets that winter will ever end. Ah, uh, yes. And I don't really notice that's happened until it's nice. Yeah, I noticed this like levity come back, and yeah. and uh, yeah, I I think uh, I love it when it gets warm again. I like the cloud that kind of like I kind of like that feeling where you're like, yeah. oh, I was depressed. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know? It's sort of easier to spot once you're out of it, but yeah, it's like I guess winter is yeah. a bummer. Yeah, yeah, and so coming out of that's nice. But yeah, writing isn't the most. Uh, isn't the best suited to taking advantage of the weather, but that's okay. No, no, there's too much wind and elements to scramble your pages <laughs> and or your laptop. Your yeah. pages. Your pages. Sure. <laughs> I write by hand. I don't know. Yeah, do you guys people, write by hand? Some people do, do write by hand. I, I do sometimes, yeah. No. Generally, I've I've gotten pretty pretty digital yeah. recently, but I, yeah, I've done, I, I do like sometimes going out somewhere to write and sometimes that is the best way to do that so I think I have the biggest problem when I'm working in like a coffee shop or something to get out of my tiny tiny apartment and yeah. uh, I keep hearing other people's opinions around me as they discuss things and I yeah. want to get like get in there because I don't want to work I want to be like no you're wrong let's have a 20 minute debate about this <laughs> right. and I think that's the problem yeah uh, but you picked a movie today that is incredibly controversial of whether people absolutely love it, totally hate it, and oh, nothing really? in between. Oh, man, I've got some good uh, quotes from Guy Madden for this one. You guys are going to love <laughs> okay, this. Okay, cool. What movie did you pick, Daniel? I picked The Forbidden Room. The Forbidden Room. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, no, it's great. It's yeah. great. Um, I think we talked a Thank little you. bit about this during my Winnipeg because seances yeah. had just come out. Yes. Right, yeah. Um, are you familiar with seances, Daniel? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you know about it? Um, not enough. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Excellent. Um, I think I actually came to seances after I had already seen Forbidden Room, and I'm still to this day not entirely clear on which informed which, I think how, it's... how much, but because I've heard different stories. Yeah. But yeah, I haven't she done it. She's going to. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> she made a motion for those yeah. listening that she knows. <laughs> that she knows, and I don't have to yeah. express that I yeah. don't know this, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> no. I don't either. I would have made But yeah, I, I did a little bit of the seances experience, and I, I liked it. But yeah, I like it as a film, too. And, and it's kind of like, yeah, I think it works as both. Um, mm -hmm. I have to admit on this one, I had to like drop the needle occasionally. Like, I feel like this is one that kind of needs to be watched in stages just because your brain starts to melt after a certain time. Yeah. From, from the visuals and what's going on and you're like, 
Okay, and I attempted to explain it to my partner, and I was like, so there's this submarine, and then this bath, and then this happens, this, and like sort of the unfolding, and then <laughs> the I took him, so I got two layers deep, and then tried to go back, and he was like, you need to stop talking, because right. this is not going to work. <laughs> yeah. So, what is this movie about? What is this movie about? That's a good question. I'll do my best. Uh, I would say it has something to do with lost Lost Film, obviously, is part of the origin of the project. Um, wanting to uh, make movies that were made and were lost is, is the, the genesis of, I guess, the seances project. And so there's something to do with just the nature of, of, of storytelling and how uh, fickle and impermanent it is, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that's, pretty well. That's what I, <laughs> and it's kind of just a big, it's a sensory overload experience and it is uh yeah it's like two hours long so it's like it's a lot of uh noise and distortion you know all the music and the sound design and of course the the visual style of it is is really um constantly deteriorating and 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 mutating and all the time so it is yeah it's overwhelming I like to think of it as an accordion of story. Sure. Where it like starts at one place and then it opens and then it folds back yeah. in and then it opens back up yeah. and then it folds back in and you're meant to forget what layer of the story you in, yeah. you're in because it's yeah. someone tells one story which then leads to a dream sequence in another story which yeah. leads to a story in that story which yeah. suddenly leads to frogs and you're like, right. okay, this is happening. Now. Yeah. Seances came first and that was originally commissioned by the Centre Pompidou and right. um, oh, the Montreal CFI. The Phi, Phi Center? Phi Center, thank yeah, you, that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Um, yeah, so they started at the Centre Pompidou and they were just going to, this was meant to be seances, but in order to be able to finish seances and get all the stuff they needed done, they had to actually sell it and get the funding as a feature film. Ah. So that's why they had to make the feature itself and cut it. Um, and was it, am I wrong, it, was it live performances of the Centre Pompidou right. too? So yeah. That's yeah, they weird. filmed it in front of, it wasn't yeah. closed off from the public. From it was a different film every single day that they yeah. shot. Okay. with the exception of the stuff at the Phi Center which, which was shot specifically for the feature because they knew they needed a through line narrative so the okay. Roy Dupuis, uh, Catherine Deneuve, not Catherine no. Deneuve uh, what's her name? Ka- 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 Deverness, Deverness. that's it, thank yeah. you um, that whole pl- all those plot lines were shot there because they needed touch oh, okay. points again to come back to those right. things, so yeah that's why that was all shot there so that you would have some form yeah, of I, lo- I love the idea that that was necessary yeah, that's very yeah. funny to me. And also that those ones are like, the, just to know that these are like this is the story. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, okay. We need, yeah, we need a sapling jack <laughs> yes, on the submarine, <laughs> and that yeah. will just tie the whole yeah. thing and then together. Notoriously, you are correct. This is this is based on lost films, uh, both mm-hmm. the titles and the plot lines. And some movies were actually discovered while they were making yes, them. Yes, I remember. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they had to then abandon those because they're like, well, we can't do oh. that now. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. there was a Three Stooges one that they were coming up with, which is all female. The Three Stooges called oh, wow. Hello Pop. Oh, but, wow. uh, I know. So that I was would abandoned. love to see that. That's too I, bad. that sounds like another movie almost. Yeah, it's like show me. <laughs> the one you found and show me what you made of <laughs> yeah. it. That sounded cool. I, or just the three of them doing a Three Stooges yes. movie sounds really good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you always hear, he weirdly talks about, I'm sure I brought this up a thousand times on the podcast, but how he gets very close to like, because people are always like, ah, you're so cool, you like never sell out. And he's like, I'm always trying to sell out. Yeah. And he gets very close to like remaking The Omen. And right. you're like, ah, oh, that's all I want to see. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, him doing the Three Stooges movie would be perfect. I'd be so into it. Yeah. Uh, but something I think I'm fascinated about Guy Madden with, and I have a question for you guys, is so if you are not at all familiar with Guy Madden's work, how do you, and like he's he's a particular kind of filmmaker, a particular kind of auteur, and I really enjoy him. I love 
sense of humor. I think he's very weird. I always know I'm in for like something I've never seen before. How do you explain that to someone going into it who's never seen him before? And how do you point them in the right direction to start? <laughs> I'm okay, looking at you because uh, yeah, you're, you're a movie you're podcast. You're looking at me. I'm just a um, <laughs> director. I mean, how would I get into it? I would say that it's somebody who, like, there are movies that are like in love with kind of the dawn of cinema, but also don't take it too seriously. I think that I I always had him at an at an arm length arm's length till I heard a talk by him and realized how much he actually considers himself like a comedy director and that these are meant to be funny and laughed at and like he even is like I like those old movies but also they're silly you know <laughs> so uh, yeah I don't know but how to approach this one is like I would definitely say if somebody's like I'm going for my first guy mad and I'd be like not this one not this one not really this one. oh okay I don't know. it yeah. depends on the kind of person if there was some Person who like loved experimental film but had been in a yeah. coma for thirty years. I'm bad at this stuff because oh. I sort of I don't think about movies being weird like that, and sure. then I recommend them to people and they don't appreciate it. But yeah, so yeah. I, I forget that everybody wouldn't like it. Yeah, I just went. I went to this one, <laughs> and I know that guy Madden. Maybe I mean he's always like self-effacing, but I went to one where that was introduced by him of, yeah. of Forbidden Room, and he was like. This is like punishment. Like he would kind of just said that the like this is a very long, intense one. Yeah, yeah. but I, I suppose I don't know that any of his are particularly approachable. Some of them are shorter. Yeah, and probably less of a uh, less mm. abrasive, I guess. Like I think my Winnipeg is probably the most accessible because it's a right. personal sure. story. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, it says something about his filmography if that's the the straight ahead one. But yeah, for me, it was just instantly very funny and exciting and that that um structure of the nested narratives yeah. just really worked well for me and kept it like uh it felt light lightning pace to me i don't know i didn't get that sense yeah. that i understand it's very noisy and like smudgy and 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 sort of uh, uh, abrasive in that way i guess but uh, yeah when when i first saw it I was just, it was just a blast. I don't yeah. know. Did I you didn't see even... it on the big screen? I did. I saw it at TIFF. Yeah. Oh, okay. What yeah, was when that it... like, like in the darkness? Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah. And it was that same thing where I, um, it had been a while actually, I think since I had seen one of his films and, uh, and it just immediately was so, so visually, uh, stunning to me. And I just love so many people, uh, you know, try to emulate older styles and 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 in in production design or in graphic design and there's just it was so immediately dead on right the the opening credits how like uh, prolific and correct they felt in terms of mastering all these different styles and you could feel like oh that feels like a ealing comedy and this feels like this and that just from like a flash frame and they would they had so much style to spare kind of because it was like this, they would use five different approaches to the same credit, right? Where it was like telefilm or whatever, and it would go through five different <laughs> iterations yeah. that all were like beautiful, uh, striking impressions of, of period titles. And I, so it just immediately was like just right into it. Yeah, and I think the the nested narrative thing was an interesting thing to see with an audience because you do get this like collective laugh when you're like, oh, yes, this was, you know, the pelvis is dream or whatever, yeah. you know, there's something like that where you kind of like, I, I had heard uh, Evan Johnson, I think, talk about Locus Solis, the book, and, and, and that book does a similar thing where it, uh, it 
someone is telling a story and then in the story someone sits down to read a book and they and then you go into the book they're reading and that sort of mm. thing and it it's um in in some cases more harrowing than anything that happens in forbidden room but it's that same kind of thing where there is a just kind of like i don't know mischievous delight about being like yes we can go we can go burrow further mm. into another story it just feels like it's never going to run out of ideas and yeah. it's never going to end and that's exciting i don't know <laughs> but that's also me. the option you get with seances right like if this is your with bed, seances yeah so you can sure. go into i don't think we said what seances is I mean, you can go back mm. and listen to my winnipeg but what it is is it's on the nfb it's still up yeah um, and it generates a, a different movie for you with a different title every single time you watch it <laughs> yeah. yeah so you will never see the same movie again and right. it's all these different vignettes and all these different uh all these different shows uh it tells you how long it's going to be and what the title of it is right uh, and what the style of it is what the genre mm. is it's a romantic action comedy or it's a dramatic mm. uh you know tahitian treat like it's right it's, right it's right that era. and then you click and then it s- sends you into that world yeah so he loves the idea of this disposable film that once you've watched it once and that's partially why he has all the effects where they sort of bubble and bleed like yeah. actual film yeah would, because the idea of you're never going to see this thing again mm-hmm that's terrifying. You know? <laughs> like, I don't know about you guys. As, a, as an existentialist, it makes me go, why am I doing anything in my life if yeah, everything will be lost? Certainly. I mean, there's, you know, like, if you get into silent movies, right, mm. you, you hear these stories that are just awful where an entire studio decided to, like, <laughs> strip the film for parts and then yeah. and then burn it. Um and it's just like, oh, there's 25,000 silent movies gone, right? And yeah, it does make you, you think about how easy it is to, to lose something. Yeah, that is terrifying. I think that there's kind of a comedy in the futility of it, too. Like, it seems like he's chosen these movies of, like, who who really cares about the lost film, How to Take a Bath, <laughs> for instance? like Written by John Ashford. Yeah, I want to yeah. see that movie. I, I do. Know. Well, because I actually I watched his other version, how to, uh, or his other film, How to Undress in Front of Your Husband, uh, uh, featuring John Barrymore's wife. And uh, wow. guys, it's, uh, it's something wow. special. Okay. It is deeply misogynistic, <laughs> sure, so yeah. okay. I am not going to post it on the Twitter. But it is worth your time to go look at it just mm-hmm. from like, it's got this very dry narration. It's fabulous. Okay. And, yeah, I, I can't. Well, I'm wrong, I guess. It's very fun, but I do love. It. I, I wrote down some of the um, some of the titles of the lost films that they sure. they took from. So one of them is the strength of a mustache. Yeah, which, right. which I can know. I can uh, figure out. Yes. Yep. <laughs> uh, ladies, be careful of your sleeves. Right. Okay. Uh, Conjurer making ten hats in sixty seconds. <laughs> Sounds like a real winner. Uh, a badly managed hotel and the balloonist's mishap. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So I like them. I'm like, yeah, I can see, and I love that idea of like inventing things from things. You know what I mean? Sure. Like taking inspiration yeah. from something that doesn't exist. And I know there's people who do podcasts where they improvise movies based on like what they think a movie is mm. like right, they've, heard yeah. a channel, they've heard that and they improvise it mm. i love i love that idea and as we move forward with like youtube and creating fan videos and all that kind mm. of thing i mean we're dealing with a whole new level of copyright obviously but like what kind of fascinating inspiration can you take when you vault off these ideas of like oh you made a movie of blank i'm gonna make a movie off you know the pink balloon and that's mm. gonna be something different right yeah for sure yeah i mean seeing also what's happened so much in music and sound work with sampling and collage stuff yeah i mean yeah i I do like found footage films and stuff like that but this idea yeah of riffing on a 
an idea for a film or the, the like logline of a film or something is, is really exciting. I like for me, the bravery comes in how many layers of difficulty they threw on themselves, oh, yeah. right? Because they're right. like, so we're going to shoot in 31 days a different film every single day. We're going to let people in to watch the filming process. We're going to work with all these like A-list French actors who we yeah. only get for one day. Yeah. What did you guys think of when they tell you who's playing everybody in the actual title cards throughout? Does that pull you out of it? I mean, it's already very surreal. I didn't mind it. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. I mean... It's so hard to point to like what pulls you in or out of it because <laughs> the style the style is so foregrounded and and like his style even before this one is always these kind of emphatic title cards and things right so uh, I don't know yeah I like I like that stuff but so it doesn't pull me out of it it usually like it feels I mean it's something like Tarantino does and stuff right it's like I like that feeling it's almost like here is a new character you can't wait to meet uh, you know the gardener boy or whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that 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 really pumped me up when I saw it for I re- the first time. remember the only thing that threw me off when I saw it the first time is that Charlotte Rampling's in it but does nothing <laughs> and I think that her part was like is mostly in seances so right. I remember when I saw the movie I'm like well why the hell did they drag I Charlotte see Rampling? I remembered that too but then I watched it again before doing this and and there is like a plot involving yeah. her with isn't Medic- she mostly silent? but she doesn't yeah, yeah she doesn't, she doesn't have dialogue yeah. but i had this before i remembered that they just occasionally dissolved yeah her face you see her back. face a lot like a yeah. lot of anguished it's like she may have been yeah. there for seven minutes or yeah. Something, <laughs> yes. yeah she was meant to be the center story and then they uh, realized they just couldn't they just didn't have enough that it just didn't make sense oh, really? for them to do yeah. it with just around her that's interesting that's cool but sad. Yeah, yeah yeah i mean i that's the thing like when you talk about the toughness of the process that's the thing that surprises me when i hear anybody like hates this movie right because it's just it's like a miracle it's, yeah it's and good. i really i mean i so when i saw it i kind of didn't know that much about it and then mm-hmm. afterwards they were there and they talked and so it, it was that kind of like learning about the process after having seen it i didn't really feel that at all like mm-hmm. that it, this must have been uh, a challenge to get what they wanted it felt so specific and and uh like there was such a vision to everything mm. so yeah it, it it doesn't come across but i know that feeling from the other side of being like oh, oh dear lord i hope we get anything <laughs> at all yeah and, and you hope that the audience doesn't doesn't know that that it was like that but yeah i, I definitely didn't feel like that but no. it, it is a very like i guess you could say it's a forgiving format because yeah. it is like it's not relying on like slick continuity or, or things mm. like that but yeah now notoriously people did walk out of this at sundance uh it was right, not okay. as bad as people say it mm. was like when, <laughs> apparently there was a national post specifically in canada they well, part of the term crucified him for this film yeah. um sure. because the national post the guy apparently didn't even attend the thing he just like heard from a guy who heard from a guy yeah. that, like a couple of you walked out and he was like people walked out of a guy back yeah. movie why are we giving money to these artists um yeah. but apparently part of, <laughs> but apparently part of the reason for that wow. is that when they showed it in the theater there was something wrong with the audio system and it was yeah. playing like a weird like Wah. yeah and there was a sync issue yeah I so think, it yeah. wasn't too. it wasn't working that way so that would have been very weird. i could also see this just being in the middle of a festival would be a tough yeah yes. like on its own it's pretty good but it's not like what you want when you're when you have to review 10 movies a day right. one of them also, yeah. not a sundance movie and as no. guy madden says there's not enough hiking in it right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so had he screamed yeah. careful instead he would have been yeah. fine yeah for sure well i think yeah that's so interesting because again this is me living in my own world i guess but 
seeing it during TIFF was like that for me. That was like yeah. one of the years where I actually did like have a pass and see a bunch of stuff. And uh, I remember it just feeling like candy. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, this, you know, because festival movies uh, generally and, and some really great ones are slow. Like yeah. they're not usually that fast paced. So I, this idea that it's long or, or you know, I don't know, it, it feels to me like in a festival context, this would be like a shot of of adrenaline but yeah I, again i know i'm but i might not be like everybody not <laughs> though, right? because sundance is like where you take stuff for like harmony kareen like it's yeah, meant for like the more that. edgy splashy dark like i like all those that like kind of teen stuff. comedy yeah <laughs> yeah i guess everything's like a cool 80, well, sundance, 85 minutes guess, sundance. yeah sundance is pretty like it is pretty slick and and uh um yeah it, it, it i guess commercial to not to I don't mean that in a... You do. You know. Uh, <laughs> disgustingly commercial. What but, trying no, to say like is a program, Daniel's next movie, <laughs> Sundance. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I can see that, yeah, an, an audience... Because, you know, they have stuff like when we were at Slamdance, I think Call Me By Your Name was at Sundance, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like stuff like that that's like a, a prestige Oscar movie with movie stars in it that yeah. has a good budget and... Um, yeah, tells a nice story and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, maybe Forbidden Room would feel like an assault in that context. <laughs> well, how much do you, like, seek <laughs> things know. out, Daniel? Like, how much do you find, like, the really obscure stuff for fun? Um, I don't know. I, I uh, yeah, sometimes I, I'm not, like, a crazy uh, expert or anything. I, I, I don't know. I try to find movies that sound exciting to me. Uh, but yeah, and I don't really, I'll watch really old stuff or brand new things. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'm like, there's people who are on specific, like film sharing, mm. dark web stuff. And I, <laughs> I'm not really, I never yeah. got invited to those. So I, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, I try to seek out as much as I can, but just for fun. I don't know. <laughs> Cause I'm always, I'm always fascinated by that. Cause like same here, like whenever I start up a conversation with like Justin DeClue, uh, from the important cinema, yeah. Club, oh, sure, you yeah. know, that's like layers upon layers upon yeah. layers of like knowledge and understanding and like the references that he has and the books that he reads for fun. And I'm like, I, I would consider myself as someone who loves movies and I, yeah. I, I get, I, I get the references and I do the research, but like that's a commitment to the understanding and mm. process of cinema that I do not have. And I wish, I did, but I don't. So what I'm curious about, especially with a film like this, because obviously Guy Madden has that too. Otherwise, yeah. he would not be making these kinds of things that reference so many things that are lost. He wouldn't have taken the time to know what films mm. were lost, let alone make these things. So th- what I think is so fascinating about what he does is that he then takes that and then puts it in his own voice and makes his own thing instead of just regurgitating it. Mm. Um, and... I think that's the process a lot of people miss in mm. new in new works is that they they understand where they're coming from, but there's a, a derivation as opposed to a reinvention. Right. Yeah. Discuss. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I think I think with Guy Men, but also with you know uh, Evan and Galen Johnson, who worked on this film and some of his newer stuff with him. Um, uh, you know, it's coming from all over the place for sure. Like cinematically but also i think there's a bunch of wild literary and other references going on in there so it's very rich whatever what he's drawing from and what they're drawing from and i yeah i guess that's the the difference is that yeah it really does seem to get 
Yeah, it's not. It doesn't feel like it's imitating things, even when it's doing a stylistic uh, yeah. emulation of a of a specific period thing or whatever. It does kind of all get turned into its own own voice. I mean, and that that continues when they do the Green Fog, right, where they're remaking Vertigo with footage from other stuff, <laughs> which is yeah. bananas. Which yeah. has like several layers of obstacles for yeah. feeling like your own voice, right? But but it really does. I don't know, and the sense of humor is there, and yeah, it's 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 pretty special. So I, I think that's probably what everybody tries to do when they make stuff is whatever they're drawing from. They they hope that if they make it uh, authentic to what they're interested in, that it will be. Uh, that it will be, yeah, it'll be unique somehow. Yeah, because yeah. your film, Dim the Fluorescence, is very unusual in the best possible way. Oh, thank you. Um, and you can see the influences you're pulling from, but it's also kind of its own thing. So how did you balance, like, obviously you have filmmakers you like. How did you kind of balance that in your own work? Mm-hmm. I think the the trick for us um, when we were making that film, the trick and the trick for me when I'm thinking about how, I don't know, who to hire or how to do something is uh, to let whatever point of reference from a book or a play or a film to come organically through the work and to, to be following the project to that place as opposed to the other way around, as opposed to looking at the material and saying like, I want to do something like this. Um, I found, I think, you know, uh, Miles, my co-writer and I started with like, it would be, fun to do this um do a uh sort of opening night like a backstage drama thing but within this world and so that was like a uh, overall like that film not so much stylistically but just structurally almost yeah. like we were like we could do is i guess a bit like the red shoes or like other things where there's like a backstage drama and a production that you know sort of fuses with the person's life while they're making it um, but yeah, I think that's it. So then for us, it was like in the writing, it was like figuring out who these characters were and and what their world was and following that through. And then along the way, as we were inventing it, maybe something would make us think of something from another uh, uh, book or film or something. And those references get pulled in that way, I guess. And you, yeah, you hope that it's not obvious. And if it's grounded enough in this thing, then it will feel right as opposed to making the viewer go often think of the thing it came from <laughs> you know like i think uh, one of the things that felt pretty overt to me but it's it's quite different i think in our film but is um um we what we called our denny levant moment which is you know that there's um denny levant has now in in at least two movies been a like pent-up repressed character who then <laughs> Uh, listens to a pop song and then dances for like a, a strangely long time in a French art house movie. I've seen two of those. There may be more. Um, so uh, we we had something like that in our movie where we were like, let's do a Danny Levant thing here. But I don't know if that counts. Anyway. That counts. I'm yeah. Sure. That's, I mean, that's an that homage, right? It's a way yeah. to, that's, I mean, mm. that's the difference between a ripoff and an homage, right? Is that there's a reference to what you're doing and there's a wink and that's how it rolls. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, we are at favorite moments, guys. I can start. I'll give you time. No, no, no. I was just like thinking. I always think that I should just give people time to think. I mean, I think what you talked about, my favorite thing overall with the movie is probably what you talked about, where I think his bringing in Evan and Galen Johnson has just upped, upped the visuals so much. Yeah. Um, 
and made it like that's the thing is like even if the, there are long stretches of this movie i think i could easily say that I, even though i enjoy it i don't care about right like, there's stretches that are like whatever but it's so visually cool yeah that, uh and that makes a big difference and I, I just remember that yeah there was some some weak stuff for a little while in there in the guy madden canon uh but i think them coming on is really enjoyable but i mean i i'm gonna be a an, an easy moron and just say that the spark song about butts is yeah, uh, right. the highlight yeah. for me final derriere yeah the final derriere uh, that yeah. was definitely yeah that's that's enough to be like the next hour and 20 minutes of this movie <laughs> don't even matter because just udo kyer <laughs> dancing to a song about butts yeah and just having repeated brains yeah <laughs> so, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah that's a great moment i always wonder like what what must that have been like to be in the center pompadour while <laughs> yeah. they're filming yeah him watching someone him watching model one yeah. lady's butt over yeah there. yeah that's a good question i don't know <laughs> yeah i think I, I i agree with you that i think the that partnership has sort of taken the stylistic elements to a lot of exciting new places and then the forms too mm-hmm. like it because i think he 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 had a thing that he did very well mm-hmm. uh, um but yeah there's something with green fog with bringing the head of tim horton and all this other stuff that they've done together it, it does feel like the forms are and seances yeah. is a totally new thing like the form is pretty wild my favorite moment i would say i really love the janice story it's sort of like a uh kind of like a Jekyll and Heidi thing where this person gets obsessed with the two-faced bust of Janice. And what I love about it is it sort of riffs on this idea of an obsession story, but it's very naked. It's very like he never really even tries (laughs) not not to give in. And so I think one of like my heartiest laughs in the movie, I think is, is when he puts the bust up for auction and they, they say, you know, do I hear 200? And he immediately he puts his hand <laughs> right up. It's just there's something so great about seeing an obsession story um, without any uh, <laughs> illusion. <laughs> I don't know. It made me laugh really hard. I love that sequence, though. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, I've got you? a whole bunch of stuff for you guys. Oh, man. Okay. So <laughs> first and foremost, I love all the intertitles and like squid mm-hmm. theft and beware of women's skeletons and yeah. insurance defrauders. Like yeah. all of that just kills me. The other one was uh, within the deep cave, ding- within the deep pink cave, boggling puzzlements. Like, yeah. That stuff just Dude, What's the one uh, forced to wear a leotard? Yes. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great title. It's card. so great. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, yeah, that's all I need to know. Thank yeah. you. Boom. Um, yeah. I also love that there was an interviewer from Vulture who was interviewing the two of them and asking mm. them about the pancake thing and the oh, air, sure. the air yeah. bubbles the and the pancakes. Yeah. And he says, uh, so Guy Madden said, Evan's father, who is a nuclear physicist who lives in Switzerland, because of course he is, <laughs> sure. uh, told them that the bubble in flapjacks contain carbon dioxide not oxygen so they were actually killing themselves <laughs> yeah, faster nice. uh, yeah so I thought that was pretty good uh, I also love the AV Club's review of this which is the result isn't necessarily Madden's best film but it's certainly his most film sure. yeah. which I like um, I also very much like uh, Madden's uh, comment of I'm not sure I can watch this again I know I can't watch it anymore uh, I know a bunch of polite Germans saw it in a room last night and most of them stayed so. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So I just I love Madden interviews because he's always giving you little gems yeah, like that. And yeah. He never talks about the movie. Like, they <laughs> always go into like complete utter tangents. It's wonderful. I love it. Yeah. Oh man, this is so good. Um, all right, we are on to you, Daniel. 
Dimmel Fluorescence. We loved it. How do people find it? Um, well, it's on iTunes. Um, it's uh, on Crave. If you have Crave, you can stream it or watch it on TV. Uh, it's on DVD, um, so you can get it from Amazon or if you're in Toronto from Bay Street Video. I don't know if we ha- do. We have other video stores. That's yeah, it. we do. iStore store. Oh, iStore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I don't know if they have it, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, Bay Street <laughs> does. Um, and uh, yeah, I think those are the main ways to get it in Canada here. And how do people follow you and your career and all the funny things you say? <laughs> um, uh, I have Facebook and <laughs> I have a Twitter, uh, which is Mr. Daniel Worth. Just Mr. Daniel Worth, um, and I have Instagram, but yeah, I yeah, think yeah. probably you're better off following the film because I don't yeah. really uh, do much on those things. So Dim the Fluorescence also has an Instagram and a Twitter that's a bit more lively than my own. <laughs> Excellent. I think it's your alter egos. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're living through your characters. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. this is gonna get very Mr. Demille very quickly. <laughs> yeah. uh, Cam, how about you, baby? What's up? Uh, well, you can always find me at Cam Fass on Twitter. Um, uh, at my work at Hollywood Suite right now, I guess, uh, it's prime suspect season. I don't know. For some reason we're showing, for some What's, reason. What is that? It's good. It's a, it's a, a series of like TV movies Helen Mirren made in the nineties. Oh yeah. The UK. Yeah. yeah. Those, okay. It's about a female detective yeah. going up against the system. It's actually, uh, you know what? I watched it and it's, it's quite interesting and quite like innovative for its time. Cool. Uh, informed a lot of what. Police procedurals would be from then on, and also fairly seamlessly integrates, uh, like, social justice issues into the procedures. Because it's like, the first one's kind of all about how uh, police is inherently sexist, uh, and then policing is inherently homophobic, and then it's, you know, it doesn't care about, you know, children. So, yeah, it's a, it sounds like a bummer. And it kind of is, but if you like crime stuff, it's yeah, great. And there's and always some. Yeah, and Helen Mirren dressing down men always, <laughs> like just yelling at people. That sounds really great. Yeah, it's great. And it's uh, it's going to be on Hollywood Suite every Sunday night or slowly kind of rolling out on our VOD platforms. Uh, it'll all be there by July, so you can binge something like 42 hours of <laughs> Helen Mirren being a cop. Excellent. All right. And as per usual, you can find me on the Twitters at Le Shrimpton. That's the masculine Le Shrimpton over there. That's yeah. just about everything. Thank you so much, guys. This is a pleasure. Daniel, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Let's go get a moose head. <laughs> That's our catchphrase. Thanks for listening to the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. If you like what we're doing, please remember to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcatcher. It helps people find our podcast and Canadian media they love. Come chat with us at RCM Pod on Facebook or on Twitter at RCM Pod. Our theme song is by Craig Stewart and our show art is by Paul Stachniak. Join us next week for another great film from the wilds of Canadian cinema.